So, hi, my name is Kai, and today with me I have a very special guest. Her name is Miss Kwan. Um, yeah, uh, could you please state your name and your professions? Um, my name is Dean Kwan, and I currently teach Asian American Studies at City College. Um, I also freelance in social media marketing and anything else that's pretty much needed within um, that realm as well. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. Um, what is your ethnic background and, you know, what is your citizenship? Like, you can be U.S. native or naturalized or anything yes. else. Um, I am Chinese American, and I was born and raised in the U.S., so um, a U.S. citizen. Um, do you know which generation you are? Just out of curiosity. I'm third, third generation. So my grandparents immigrated here. Cool. Well, I'm uh, third generation too. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, when when did your I guess grandparents come? Well, I'm third generation on my mom's side, so okay. uh, I think they came like right after the Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed, or like a couple years before that, or something. It's so, like oh. around 1960s. 1960s. Okay, so that would have been after. That would have been 1965 is when the Immigration and Nationality Act happened. Yeah. And then uh, the Chinese Exclusion Act was repealed in 1943. So oh. it could be between that or maybe after that. Yeah, I think, yeah. I sort of see it as the repealing of the, the passing of the Nationality Act as sort of like the final step to removing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I think it was really big opportunity for my grandparents, and yeah. Um, so are both of your parents artists or somehow involved in the visual arts industry or field, or is this something that you discovered more on your own? Yeah, no, I think that's a good question. My, I've always known my dad as being an artist, but he's not professionally. Um, he, I think my earliest memory of him doing art was just coming into like, my preschool class and just drawing for everyone and everyone got really excited um and it wasn't only until i guess maybe a few years ago um or maybe within the past five to ten years that um it started connecting to me that my grandparents and their siblings um or some of them at least are within the arts field so i have my Paul um or my grandma's sister who is a jeweler um my Paul herself was, um, she used to make clothes or design clothes. Um, and then my Daiyu Paul, who is my grandma's other sister, um, she teaches piano. And then on my dad's side, he did art, but um, non-professionally. Um, and so, you know, I think all of these things started coming to me and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'm actually part of like this family history of artists. Um, and so it felt very natural, and I felt like I really had, like, a belonging in a family, and that was something that was really special to me. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And I know this is sort of a stereotype, but, um, like, in a lot of Asian families, there's a strong push away from, you know, pursuing art professionally or as a career, um, and more of a focus on, like, you know, high-achieving sort of um, professions like, you know, medicine or law. Um, did you experience any of that growing up? Because I'm third generation, I think my family, but on both sides, actually, mm -hmm. um, I think they were more conscious of it and then did not push me into those fields. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it, it just naturally happens that my sister ended up going into law and my mm. brother is in engineering. Mm. And so they got kind of the best of both worlds. They have sort of the arts and um, community advocacy. Mm -hmm. And then they also have sort of the ster more stereotypical um, roles. And so they can brag about both. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, my parents, I think, were always very, very supportive of anything I wanted to do. Um, I was not always the best student. And so I think trying to push science or push, you know, math was not necessarily something that they wanted to do because they could easily see I was struggling already. Um, and so I think I've been very lucky in that sense that I haven't felt that obligation to be in that field um, or in those fields just in general. But my parents have always really instilled this very hardworking mentality, perseverance, and just knowing that, you know, whatever field that I go into, it's something that I should work at 110%. Um, and it's okay to, you know, kind of gradually get to that 110% uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how connected do you feel to your heritage or cultures? Um, well, since I teach Asian American studies, I feel very, very connected. Mm -hmm. um, I was, let's see, I was 14 or 15. Um, so this is what I call my origin story, but um, I grew up in San Francisco, born and raised. Um, I went to, you know, a Chinese immersion preschool and then Chinese immersion school growing up, and I never really thought twice about it. I was in Sunset District. Um, I went to Alice Fong Yu, learned Cantonese, learned Mandarin, spoke English at home. Um, and so for me, there was never really a lack of role models who, you know, who did not look like me or did, you know, they all looked like me in some way or another. Um, and, and so when I went into high school, um, I went to Drew, and mm -hmm. then you may be familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, for me, that was the first time I was ever sort of like the minority. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew Asian Americans were already the minority, but it was really the first time sort of economically, I wasn't around people who, um, you know, who were first or second generation. Um, a lot of my classmates growing up were, um, you know, middle class. And even though I, you know, our family was a little bit higher, that was just sort of my upbringing of, you know, seeing people, um, you know, in different sort of backgrounds. And it was really isolating, I think, at that time. Um, you know, I didn't know how to deal with it as a 13-year-old going into high school. Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the teachers taught me, um, or she led a unity club, which is, at the time, basically, all the students of color who wanted to go would be in that club. And we didn't have enough Asian Americans to have like a Asian American club, or more like a Chinese club or a Japanese club or whatever. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I dealt with was um, my grandmother, she moved into a senior housing um, center near our house. And one of the routines that I just got into for a few months was just visiting her every week, once a week. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't very close to her. Um, and, you know, with this relationship where she could not really talk, and I talked way too much because I had too much to say and not enough people to listen to hear me talk. Um, you know, that was something that really meant a lot to me. And so when she passed away a few months later, you know, um, I, it was, of course, there was a sense of loss. And um, it just happened that, you know, about two, two or three years later, I think I was a junior in high school. Um, we started learning a little bit about Angel Island. Mm -hmm. And so I went into this really deep, deep dive into Angel Island. I interned, I interned at um, the Immigration Station Foundation. Um, I started doing interviews with second generation 
um, Chinese Americans, just trying to learn more about it. And then found out that my mama, who was the one that I had been visiting, was actually a paper daughter. Hmm. Um, she came in 1939 um, as a 12-year-old, um, and she was saying, I think, yeah, I think she was saying that she was 14 years old, which was the age that I had been. And, um, you know, all of this, like, it was a very circle, like, um, or like it was a cycle where I was yeah. just learning more about his, her history and realizing that there was a very deep tie um, within that. And so I went into college wanting to learn more about it um, and eventually came back to San Francisco and did SF State um, and got my uh, grad degree in Asian American Studies. And all of these things that I had been a part of, all the things that my parents had been a part of, were all parts of history that I really loved so much and like got to learn about it. Like, um, like the school that I had attended was the first Chinese American immersion school in the city um, and all of these things. And it just, it felt very, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it felt very whole to me. I think. Mm. And that was just something that was very unique and very special to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you find out like in high school that like you, I mean, I know you had like your family was super involved in art. Um, and then I know now you're doing um, a lot of activism, like with your This Asian American Life page on Instagram with all the cool comics and artworks that you're posting. I think it's uh, super awesome. So when did you sort of uh, combine the two interests together? Yeah, in high school, I learned comics. Um, mm -hmm. I had taken art classes up till um, all the way into high school, but it was very it's a very Western way of learning about it. It mm -hmm. was like pastels and watercolor and acrylic and oil. And it wasn't until high school where I started taking these art classes where they would say, okay, I want you to, you know, they would give you a prompt. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have never created anything on my own before. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what to draw. And it was just kind of a little bit mind blowing um, that all the creativity that you have as a kid is just like completely wiped out of you. Mm -hmm. And it was learning how to kind of go back into that. So my comics in high school were actually a lot like the ones I'm doing now. Um, it's all about being this like awkward teenager um, and, and trying to figure out what that looked like. I loved storytelling at the time too. And so I wrote stories, um, you know, pages and pages of, of just like, you know, one thing. And then I'd hand them out to my friends and they'd be forced to read it and they'd like, you know, give me back feedback. Um, and Basically, you know, I think throughout high, uh, college, I learned that I loved giving back. Um, my parents are also in nonprofit and academia. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it just came to me very naturally, you know? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until probably more recently that, um, you know, I've been continuing my comics um, that, you know, all the stuff that I was experiencing, you know, I think that they relate a lot to other people. Um, and I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, the ways that I interact with my own family and have difficulty with that within my own family, people are experiencing that. People experience, you know, the toll of mental health. People, you know, are learning more about their family history and what that looks like. And so I think the social, uh, the social justice portion of it just kind of came very naturally. You know, I was teaching and I wanted people to learn um, history very uh, in an easier way. I wanted it to be very accessible. I wanted people to um, appreciate the arts and appreciate um, Asian American history, which is not typically taught. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and so for me, my art is the way that I do it. And my art is also the way that um, sometimes I communicate. And um, it's kind of like 
it's a version of a diary, but it's of course a little bit more now censored because now I know people actually read it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it just makes me a little bit more conscious of how I want to portray things and how I want to, um, share my version of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what are like a few of your art projects or like comics that, uh, you are the most proud of? That's a, actually, I haven't thought that much about that one. Um, I think it's hard to say, partly because when because comics just come in like comic strips, I guess. Right, right. Um, but I always appreciate the comics um, that I think that connect to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether they're comic strips, um, you know, that people really respond to. Um, and get excited about, um, or I, I do these like collage looking things as mm-hmm. well. Um, and just working with people has been a lot of fun too. Um, so most recently I did one with Project Yellow Dress, mm-hmm. um, and they do South, um, they talk about Southeast Asian narratives, um, and people are able to tell their stories about how their families, you know, were refugees or, um, how they made their way to the U.S., the struggles that they've had to go through, um, as being second gen or first gen. Um, and I really got to illustrate that, those stories. Um, and I think just reading them, you know, I was like, I remember drawing and I was crying at the same time because I'm reading someone else's story as I'm drawing their story. And to know that someone trusts me so much with their story to illustrate it, um, and they don't even know me, mm-hmm. I think that is, you know, you put a lot of trust in people. Um, it's nice to see sort of in, you know, in this like very narcissistic, very, um, pessimistic world that mm-hmm. um, trust just still comes so naturally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I'm drawing sort of a similar connection here, where you're sort of trusting me um, with your story. So thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you for for listening. If anything. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So going off of your, uh, I guess, proud pro, like you're the proudest project. Um. Can you describe your dream project? I have so many dreams at this point. Um, but one of the things I'm hoping to do, I would love to figure out a way to do this, but um, is create a, an exhibition. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember as a kid, there was a, um, an exhibition called, well, based off of the, where the wild things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like this really interactive, um, you know, huge room. I think it was in the Metreon. Um, and, you know, kids got to like slide down things they got to I wouldn't say climb but you know they were trees and it was almost as if we're living in those um in that era or in that um storybook and so I would love to create a version of that for um for books of color for artists of color um I think that there's a lot of amazing amazing children's books right now Mm -hmm. and they're all telling their own stories and I feel like that there's a really solid way of being able to illustrate those histories and those, um, you know, the, the things that mean a lot to people and then sort of further expand upon them. So this exhibition is not just for children, it's actually for adults as well who can read up, you know, on, um, uh, if it's a book about you know, Filipino cooking, right? Um, you can smell the things, you can see it. Kids can play on, I don't know, on the pretend versions of the food or just be wild sort of by the illustrate like these larger than life illustrations mm-hmm. and then adults can um learn the history of it or they can learn how to cook it or something along those lines and i feel like that would be really really cool yeah 
yeah that sounds awesome um so what are some of the obstacles you've encountered you know if any being in a in like an asian american person working as an activist you know i think for me the term activist is always very difficult to accept hmm. um partly because our versions of what activism looks like is very like in your face mm-hmm. um and it's very loud it's very um sometimes contradictory to what mainstream says and I don't necessarily always things, um, and I think that's partly, I wouldn't say necessarily partly because I'm Asian American, but I was taught to be sort of under the radar. I was taught to um, fall in line and follow directions, and if I see something that's out of order that I not necessarily reported, but I just kind of shrink and become as invisible as I can in sort of my solid form. Um, and, and so I think, you know, for me, it's always difficult to accept the term of activism. Um, but, and so instead I usually call myself a storyteller hmm. um, and you know someone who hits upon these different themes through education, through art, through, um, <clears throat> through social justice as sort of you know, telling that. Um, however, you know, um, I think being Asian American also plays a huge part of it. Um, you know, one of the things I was actually discussing um, last week was how do you tell, you know, these things that are happening in in your life um, without offending other people. Right. And nowadays, people, um, especially I think younger generations, which I'm realizing, you know, I taught high school last semester, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm realizing that there's now a huge generation gap, yeah. and I'm on the other end of it, and in my head, I'm still like. 18 years old, and I think I'm on this side. Um, and so it's a little bit awkward, but, um, you know, people are like hyper aware of the things that they're saying. People are hyper aware of, um, you know, the, like talking about identity. You know, that's something that we did not talk about when I was in high school. Um, we didn't really talk much about pronouns. We didn't talk about representation on media. Um, you know, those were things that people had talked about just in general, but not in the mainstream mm-hmm. um, and not in sort of classrooms. And so it's, I feel like it's always walking on this very fine line of the things that we were taught, the things that you know, and then the things that um, you just want to be aware of what other people are saying. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, you know, especially with the art that I do, it's in my head, I consider it non-controversial. Mm. Um, but I also know that there are some people who would be against it. And I also know that there are other people who will say, I'm not pushing those boundaries far enough mm. because they are, you know, they like the things that I talk about are, they're safe. I think mm-hmm. they're safe. Um, and it's only because I think, you know, I consider myself still in an intro level Asian American course as in like, that's how I teach it. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be accessible for people. Um, I want it to be sort of a, invitation to learn more about it. Um, but I also don't want to cross too many lines where it might be a little bit, um, not necessarily disingenuine to who I am, mm-hmm. but more so like that I just want to make sure it invites as many people as it can. Right. So like people beyond the Asian or Asian American community. Yeah. 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 And knowing that it's not for them, mm-hmm. but that they can be invited to see portions of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so conversely, has, you know, being Asian American helped you in your work at all? Like, 
I mean, I guess in like any, um, like, hasn't like ne not worked against you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I, hmm. I guess being Asian American in Asian American studies is always helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I think being Asian American in the art field gives you a very particular lens into it. Um, and since all my work surrounds history, um, and Asian American history and, um, our, you know, everyday lives, um, that no one really contradicts it. Maybe we'll say that. Yeah. And no one ever really kind of points it out. And I think that's a luxury mm -hmm. um, or a privilege of not having to defend your work at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so who are some Asian American artists or creatives that have previously inspired you or currently inspire you, you know, if any, and uh, if you could talk about why? I, so I, I think I've been going on and on about history, mm -hmm. but I love the historical ones. Um, but I love people who have been doing this work for a long, long time. Um, one of my mentors, um, and he's also an Asian American artist is Francis Wong. Mm -hmm. Um, and he does a lot of community advocacy. He plays, um, music. He, he's a jazz musician. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he always talks about how, um, you know, Asian American jazz is highly, highly influenced by um, African-American jazz as well. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, he just dives straight into that. Um, I love, uh, let's see, I love Nono Boy, or yeah, Nono Boy Project. Mm -hmm. um, he's currently a, well, he is a musician as well. Um, and he, a lot of his music um, is inspired by the 60s and the 70s, mm -hmm. um, but he also talks about how he's in academia um, and, you know, the overlaps within that. Um, I love, you know, there's been a few different Asian American groups in the past. One of them is um, Unbound Feet, which was a an Asian American feminist um, art group. Mm -hmm. And they happened also during really the 60s or 70s uh, within that realm. Um, and it was just a group of women who um, do poetry, who do art. Um, they are, you know, non-apologetic for who they are. And... Um, it's it's just really inspiring to see people who don't feel the need to apologize for anything they do. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of different Asian American artists that are happening now as well. Um, there's way too many to name, but I can give you a list of them later on. Um, and they, I think, are just breaking, you know, all these different expectations of what art is and mm -hmm. what Asian American artists can do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what are your hopes for like the Asian American art community or just hopes for the Asian American community in, in general? One of the things that I would love to see, um, is just Asian Americans continuing to do, you know, like pushing the boundaries in their own storytelling. Mm. Um, I think that Asian Americans have always been doing a lot of art they've always been doing you know filmmaking they've always been painting um and having a little bit more recognition i think would be always nice but i also understand that we are the creators of our own luck that mm -hmm. if we want to be seen we will be seen and we can be seen um and sort of reanalyzing i think um what success means reanalyzing all those definitions of you know um, what it means to be an artist not being afraid to pursue art um, I feel like all of those are part of that. I think it's just pretty much expanding our boundaries of what we're comfortable with um, and how much 
can we push that limit, I think, a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, no, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, so I, I know you've, uh, we've been sort of talking about reflecting on, you know, your past and your younger self. So if you could give any advice to your younger teenage self, uh, what would you tell them? Um, I feel like my teenage self knew what she wanted, mm-hmm. but... It took a long time to get there. Mm. Um, And so I feel like it's just patience, maybe. Patience and things will come and things that are meant to be, you know, will happen. And if they're not meant to be, you can either push it or just don't push it too, too far because that's not how it's supposed to go. Um, And yeah, I think it's just more so like that I'm a lot more confident than I think I am. Mm -hmm. I'm a lot more than you can just insert almost any adjective in within that um and just reassuring myself that i'll be okay yeah Yeah. there's nothing to worry about yeah um do you have like any upcoming projects um that you're excited about and you know willing to share yeah um so as you said i run this asian american life um i am in the new year trying to make it into a small business Mm -hmm. and so um i'm really hoping to be able to help asian american artists um, figure out sort of what they want, how to support them, um, what kind of resources or opportunities could I give them. Um, and yeah, just really sharing with them that success, being able to expand on my own comics um, as a source of income. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, I think that's, I'm really excited about that. Um, just trying to figure out ways to continue to give, to give back. Yeah, wow, that's, that's super exciting. So would it be sort of like a platform for people to like launch off of? That's what I'm hoping so. I, yeah. I want people to be able to learn how to use their community mm-hmm. um, and, you know, be able to give back locally while being able to explore the options that they have um, nationally and sort of within their area um, and do it in a space where they feel comfortable and they feel safe to do so. Yeah. Um, and I guess finally, do you have any final thoughts or if you have any questions for me <laughs> or like questions that you would want to like post to the greater AAPI community? That's a big ask. <laughs> um, but not too much. I think the main thing is just more so, you know, um, I hope that we're able to expand the Asian American studies mm-hmm. um, into all classrooms. I think that's something that's really important. And um, especially since our demographics are continuously changing so much, right. um, I think it's important for people who are also coming to the U.S. to know that the reason that there are, you know, there are roots here mm-hmm. um, and that whether you're ABC or, um, you know, first, second, third gen, um, that we're always following footsteps mm-hmm. um, and to know that people have been doing this work for a long, long time um, is reassuring. And that's something that, you know, we can we can continue to follow up on. Yeah.